The Ghostman Show on AlbionRadio.com Scotland-ish ghosts at Ard Arundon, also near Nîmes, has been claiming the ghost of Isabel Goldie Day has been seen. Goldie Goldie was the subject of witch trial in 1662, a story which is explored in a book by Emma Wilby of the University of Exeter. The book was shortlisted for the Satire Society Scottish History Book of the year 2010. On its website, Strictly Come Dancing, contestant Russell Grant mentions the Elkacy in on Sky, among haunted UK sites. Tolu Castle in Dingwell is said to be haunted by a green lady. Also, two teenage girls. In 2006, road construction firm Tarmac put the A9 in the Highlands as the second most haunted on its list of spooky roads. After family reported seeing an ornate coach and horses along with a big rigged footman, the road appeared again as number eight on the list following an exciting Victoria Glad man on a horse and a mound between Dornock and Gollops Pie. What do we know about ghost sex? As for human beings being conscious of the spiritual realm, humans dream, fantasize, and some even claim to experience doing doing it with ghosts. Middle religions tell the tale of succubus and Icubus, demons that would invade human bodies and have sex with them. It's been a long cross-cultural phenomenon. Most people experience ghost sex as a dream, as they're falling into or out of sleep. Scientists estimate it's almost it's because our brains are especially susceptible to hallucinations at these times. Paranormal Activity 2 actress Natasha Balekskay described her experience as ghost sex. Suddenly I could feel that someone was touching me. Her hands were pushing me against my will. I could feel the weight of the body on top of my body. I was pushed in different directions. At first I was very confused of all that. I decided to relax. It was really, really pleasurable. On the radio show, Paranormal Review, Niga notes the ghost sex is more than just sudden orgasm sensation. It's not like you're feeling orgasmic, she said. You're feeling especially where you're touch- they're touching. They're touching my left breast, they're touching down there, touching something. You actually feel penetration of them. So what do we think is the guess between ghost sex and ghost rape? Some people are super into sex, ghost sex as fetish, as evidenced on online communities dedicated to ghost erotica. But there's also a phenomenon of ghost rape, when people feel they've been assaulted by ghosts against their will. Vocalist David J. Huffwood believes that up to 15% of people are being assaulted in a sleep by unknown entity at some point in their lives. Even with ghosts, there's an issue of consent. While some people actively try to summon demons to do it, with others say ghosts have groped them without the okay. Ghost sex in pop culture. Anna Nicola Smith famously said about this about ghost sex in an interview with FM FHM in 2004. A ghost would call up my leg. I have sex with me on an apartment a long, long time ago in Texas. I used to think it was my boyfriend. Then one day I woke up and found it wasn't. 
at the KEC made headlines in 2012. For claiming she too had a spirit, bone of spirit. A bit about experiences, the supernatural, but a sexy way. I had a couple of experiences with supernatural. I don't know what his name his name. He was a ghost, I'm very open to it. In twenty twelve the Travel Channel, a documentary called Ghostly Lovers, featured interviews with dedicated spectrophiles. A haunted atlas of Western New York. Anna M- Amanda R.R. Warmer of Spooks Eats, dedicate, a blog dedicated to f- travel, food, and of course a bit of paranormal. As recently published, a conference study haunted sites in the Western New York under the title A Haunted Atlas of Western New York, a Spooky Guide to the Strange and Unusual. She has compiled an exhaustive list of paranormal hotspots, including well over 100 sites across eight counties. Every entry contains a brief explanation of the locations, history reported for Molina, along with helpful travel trips, such as whether or not the site is open to public, hours of operation, tour prices, handicap accessibility. As Wilmer explains, it's if you venture down haunted roads at night during urban legends, if you ever wander through cemeteries and find yourself asking questions, you know one in particular. If you scan the landscape as you're driving for any sign of Bigfoot, if you're desperate to believe in a bizarre haunted atlas in New York is meant as a roadmap rather than thesis of paranormal. Ultimately, solution to any mystery contained within the government of the media to unravel for themselves. The book is a starting point for paranormal venture, a bet, one that's easy enjoyed and sofa out the trail of supernatural mysteries. Okay. Ghost hunters are chased out of psychiatric hospital after an eerie vi- spirit smashes a vinyl record in the notorious magician building, which inspired the 2017 horror blockbuster Elo Elo Nizi. There was a heart-pounding moment of great as a trait traces, traces intruders out of the notorious and bad in the psychiatric hospital. By smashing an LP record, paranormal investigators faced the music when they visited the infamous Elysee Asylum in the U.S. city of Whistler, Michigan. The hospital was reputed with reputation holders, especially inspired the 2017 horror blackbuster by the same name, E-L-O-I-S-E. Todd Boner, the co-author founder of the Detroit Todd Bonner Bonner co-founder of the Detroit Paranormal Expeditions this is not the first time his team fed the building in terror he said we believe the building to be haunted almost a daily basis strange occurrences happen there including disembodied voices shadow figures footsteps doors closing and moving objects we have team members leave the building because of fear I included in that in a video, the team exploring in the Hart hallway in the facility went out of nowhere and loud crashes heard from behind them. They, they announced to whoever is listening they're leaving after seeing a final record has been lifted from his shelf and smashed against the floor. Mr Bonner, B-O-N-N-A-R, added that one of the group had reported seeing a shadowy figure only moments before the incident. He said, 
Brandy Miller, also seen psychic, was doing some electronic voice phenomena work with a piece of equipment called a Giddo Box. She was with several other investigators. One of them had seen a shadow figure out of the corner of her eye, so they decided to walk over to the area she had seen it. In the video, you can kind of hear they've been talking about a black figure and how it's thought to be it was in the area. That then an old vinyl record flew off the shelf, hovered in the air, and slammed to the ground. It, it, at its peak, the psychiatric hospital, was that, that which was named after the Eccles Dickerson book, would see around 10,000 patients, and it was like a small city. It had its own police force, fire department, bakery, post office, power plant, and trolley system. It was a self-contained unit. Comprised 78 buildings across 902 acres, much of this was since been sold to developers, flattened and turned into shops. From the book, Her Haunted Alaska Ghost Stories from North, Far North, includes a chapter about the spectre in room 321. It shares the story that a blonde ghost thought to be a murdered wife of gold miner, but it identifies room 321 as the one she haunts. One of the sources quoted, who used to clean in a hotel, said it's impossible keep the room clean. You just you just can dust and tidy it, then leave and come back and be a mess again. A book written in two thousand two. But there's another room in a tale that is more current and disturbing. Story room three one five. In twenty eighteen Alaska Public Media article Betty uh, Adams, who owns the hotel, was injured by the incident that happened when a sailor jumped out of three one five's window using a port in the USS Bunker Hill requested to be put in the haunted room. They put they put him in three one five at the point the cops were called to deal with the disturbance at the hotel. They were directed to the room. When he didn't respond, he had to break down the door and found the room covered in blood. The sailor survived his fall when the navy came to escape the next day. But they wanted a sweet instant under the rug. So a tiny attempt, spooked or so bad ghosts, he felt the window was the only way out. The historical Enterage Hotel. One guide admitted he was not sure that there were so many ghosts reported there, except for one. Anchorage chief, first chief of police was murdered in the alley behind the hotel in 1921. He's often reported but he's active each year upon the time of his of his death. Overall the hotel is very open about his ghosts and proud of them too. They keep a ghost log in their lobby. Anyone who's interested in the reading of ports can check it out. In addition to addressing the sightings on their site, they have a sign in their on their windows listing their historic and haunted accolades. The first thing an exorcist will tell you is about their daily lives of nothing like the book Hollywood depicts. Reality is tame and stranger. Quest for exorcism has soars in recent years. Many exorcists find themselves with a backlog of victims waiting for their help. Unlike what you might expect, the majority of the exorcism are clearly uneventful. Victim arrives, prayed over, thanks the priest, and leaves after scheduling a follow up appointment. In many ways, the Ministry of Exorcism looks almost normal from the outside. People come in complaining of symptoms, faults, or actions that they cannot explain. About any extra theoretics, the exorcist helps them. 
This may seem tame, but highlights a strange and frightening truth. The demand of permission, oppression, possession, of oppression are far more subtle than you think. Film and it should play up the effects. In truth, that it's demonic committed to pity can look quite normal. It can readily be quietly run, run it as it ruin as it redirects it the course of your entire life. Looking out from the outside, it's easy to think that possessed oppression are either not real or not worth addressing. But exorcist knows the truth. Just underneath the seemingly mundane evil veil of the underday lives, the battle of souls of victims they help. There's one aperture among others that the Catholic Church looks for, selecting exorcist discernment. An exorcist must be able to truly, quickly discern whether victim problems are truly related to demonic possession or oppression, or another route of he- to healing should be taken. Every exorcist knows that exorcising a person who is suffering from a natural element isn't just useless, it's downright dangerous. That's why exorcists are trained to be the most sceptical people in the room. That means that before an exorcist even thinks of performing the right, he and the victim has a, has a victim thoroughly elevated evaluated by a trusted psychiatrist and doctor. Problems in natural priest leaves the rest of medical professions. If these professionals determine that something beyond the natural world is afflicting the victim, ball returns to the priest's cult. It is then and only then the exorcism can occur. Many exorcists are faced with unknowing ending number of people seeking relief from everyday issues. They blame their employment on demons, on their aching joints, or and it, on evil spirits, but if an exorcist takes their cases, he gives the people false hope. This is why every exorcist is exercised at the most discernment in everyday lives. Everyday life of an exorcist may be filled with normal duties of priests and marked by fairly unventful exorcisms. One California exorcist, for example, began to hear a roaring sound during exorcism. One tree outside the church window began to bend. It as if under a great wind, a roaring sound increased at deafening levels. Then ceased as suddenly as it began. There was no wind that day. Oftentimes it's the victims themselves who present the danger. One supernatural symptom of possessed is increased strength, and often even the smallest victim sometimes must be restrained as they attempt to attack the priests. New natural events do occur. Victim bone structures can change. A shift beneath the skin. Furniture can slide across the floor. Voices change in terrifying ways. Some victims even gain a measure of hidden knowledge about their priest, a demon used to embarrass or traumatise him into stopping the right. An exorcist has to ignore these events, all which are displays of power meant to terrify and threaten as he works. In daily life an exorcist is much like a classified description of an airplane pilot. Long periods of repetition, punctuated by moments of sheer terror. The victim possesses not often a demon crime target. People around the victim have their lives altered in the worst of ways. The biggest target of all is the exorcist. Marcari Martin, Catholic exorcist and author of the hostage to the devil, wrote that exorcists often begin to fade as they progress through their careers. This is a result of multiple spiritual injuries afflicted by demons. Injuries worse than fleshy would ever be. These men, some, not all, are drained as each demonic encounter. 
by each demonic counter, slowly becoming shells of their former selves. Some are hounded by a particular demon that shows up again and again in their lives, having the bodies of various victims. Still others are dogged by demonic oppression themselves, and assaulted by a tormenting desire to commit sinful acts. To me, this is a path of pain, sacrificial loneliness. Even among the Catholic clergy, not all become bleed the ministry of exorcism. It needed at, needed at all. Outside the church, many believe that exorcism is best a sad and superstitious practice, or worse, a ploy to divert attention to the sins of the church. And so, facing both continuing demonic attack and social stigma, these men labour on. They do not. They do so because one overacting, arching, for overreaching reason. They want to help people. They know if they only be one thing standing between victims and demonic in the world. The only value is the aesthetic members the naturalistic methods of healing. The everyday life of Alexis requires much courage as does this concernment. The ministry of exorcism is above all a ministry of healing and this is what drives the exorcist to continue individual paths. There's no glory in exorcism. All credit goes to God. There's no money in it, there's no fame. But the moment when an exorcist frees a victim from a torment, the, the work of exorcism feels worth every agonised second. When they implore the victim to go and live in a godly life, they are able to necessarily teach them to do so. They rejoice, they've done God's work. Human soul is a mortal, a mortal thing, and so has to heal, to be heal, it to heal its victim's eternity. There very well may be no greater healing ministry, and which protects us from demonic attack. As much as the everyday life of Exodus is marked by darkness, it's also as marked eternity by his life-giving light. In an interview by Fa- Father Galeo, who pointed as an Exodus, he was at the bar, said that he experienced the, the devil, he, that pride is a sin. The devil likes the most. Have you been afraid? The interviewer asked. In the beginning, I had a lot of fear, Father Galeo replied. All I had to do was look over my shoulder and I saw demons. The other day he was doing exorcism. I commanded you back, commanded you, order you, and the evil one, a loud voice fires back at me, Galileo, you're overdoing it. They shook at me. Nevertheless, he knows that the devil is not more powerful than God. Yet it is recalled that when he appointed me to relate told him, or later relative told him, Warner, Jonah, Joseph, I am really afraid, because in the movie Exodus, one person died and the other threw himself through a window. I said to her, don't forget the devil, he is just a creature of God. These people are possessed, he added, they lose consciousness, they speak strange languages, they have inordinate strength, they feel really bad, you see very little, very well-mannered people vomiting and blaspheming. There was a boy whom the devil could not who would set his shirt on fire at night and things like that. He told me that with the de- what the demons were proposing him to do. If you make a pact with us, we will never have to go through that anymore of what you're going through now. Father Galileo, G-A-L-L-E-G-O, born in New Age, practices like Reiki and some yoga can be points of entry for the demons. He also said addictions such are a type of possession. When people are going through crisis, they suffer so more. They can feel hopelessness. People feel that they've got the devil inside, he said.
1989, A-N-N-U-N-C-I-T-I-N to see what it uncovered about Leonardo da Vinci. Picture X-ray, the art Gabriel angel, Gabriel, that disappears, it becomes invisible. While painting the rest of the picture with lead paper, paint, he used a colour for the angel that could not be captured X-rays. Why? Coincidence of secret, secret message. Known that Da Vinci experienced him in a lot of colours, constantly developed his materials. Northern West of the University of Boston, if looking for secret messages of his painting, the sun found some. Among other things, a, main, a hidden alien on the Mona Lisa. Novano Diliano Da Vinci has drawn several designs of flying objects. How did he know what such machines looked like? He also drew protected, protected cars representing Roman tanks. Where did you get that idea from? A time rifle she can tell me fairly common. Through those spears and swords were also the most popular weapons. His famous propulsion study of Vradovarus, which formed the basis of Golden Section, is contained, like many of his pages, a secret message. Amazing more details are known about life of the Lino da Vinci. There does not seem to be room for him to suddenly appear as an alien and surface the earth. Nevertheless, the alien believers cling on an important question. Where was he between 1476 and 1478? Did he possibly kidnap aliens in time? We all know that he disappeared in 1476, and he appeared in Florence in 1778. Upon his return, his art changed. He drew maps, turning cities, which were reminiscent of modern aerial photography. He drew... Machines, tanks, and Ovetrian flying objects. Had he been abducted? Had he been in contact with extraterrestrials? Was in a spaceship? It's hard to begin to know what is true. He was not a doctor, yet he discerned its suspected corpses as well, and their guts and muscles well. Alien leaves a doubt that any only was historic interest hidden behind it. He could create his sculptures and paintings the true. His original puzzle. They believed that Vinci wanted to know how the human built because he was not one himself. And you can look it up on High, High Priest Found in Mona Lisa, available on YouTube. Paranormal sighting of the Petrotora Pit in Bolton. In 1993, Brian Lowe, a local to the area, was driving on Pratt Lane, a small road that ran adjacent to the former site of the main. He suddenly became aware of dozens and dozens of eyes staring at him from the roadside. Startled, he decided quickly to get away from the strange shadowy pool, but as soon as he did so, he heard a little bang. Initially, he thought he'd blown out a tyre. He soon realised the car was still functioning normal, so he continued to speed away. When Brian reached his end direct destination, he greeted by a terrified friend who told him the explosion had reported locally near Platt Lane. Apparently, scores of witnesses had seen a tremendous flash of light, followed by a rumbling boom. The areas soon closed off to the public, but despite an extensive search, no evidence of any disturbance was found. These events perpetrated a 17-year drama of strange and explainable events that the area surrounding the former Petrora 
pit people would report seeing bodies lying in the roadside as well disfigurement figured limping forms stumbling from the bushes and darkness sightings are often accompanied by unexplained stench described as being like burned meat plus it recurring sound of mystery explosion rumours of most haunting soon spread throughout the local community many people opted to avoid the area altogether when a local policeman reported seeing a severed arm dangling from a tree only for it to disappear before his eyes a, a group of locals decided to act in order to bring the paranormal activity into abundance once for all believing in that the spirits of the deceased disaster victims come unsettled for neglect of their memory a fund was established to pay for the construction permanent memorial memorial was finally completed services held in memorial were killed those killed their monument etched with the names of each and the deceased was sanctified by local priests after that there was no ghostly activity reported blackpool haunted places the great grand theatre 1980s a Pantomime director was attending a church recital. His show was sat in the upper cir- circle of the theatre, close to the spot where Charlie's fault had flung himself to death. Little did he realise he wandered in a hotspot, paranormal activity. Gordon Pulse, as the chap was sat watching the season stage, he felt his shoulder being tapped, turning to see who was responsible. He was surprised to see rows of seats behind him empty. Shortly after, he fe- again felt his shoulder tapped. Again turned to see no one behind him. When the tapping happened for a third time, he became convinced that someone was tr- playing a trick on him. He searched from row to row, scouring the seats at the signs of the culprit. His investigations were fruitless. Also, from the side of the ghost of Charlie, Theatre said to be the home of at least two more benign, other benign spirits. Thomas Sargentson, a former manager of the establishment is said to keep a close eye on current staff, often escorting the manager on his rounds. The ghost of recent employee is also said to be in the media room, and been spotted by several staff who knew him in life. Paranormal researchers have suggested that heightened spiritual activity experienced in the theatre is by product Paranormal Hotel that occupies a space above the ta- stage. Kilbert Guy Brighton Blackpool Beach. Commonly are, are reports of church bells tolling on stormy nights. Thought by geological experts, the sentiment was probably swallowed by the brine, following a sudden catastrophic rise in sea levels, possibly precipitated by unexpected natural weather, na- natural weather event. The traumatic disaster was only have resulted in the deaths of many desperate souls. The only warning they received in advance of their impending doom was that sudden tolling of a local parish church bell. Blackpool Pleasure Beach. In the 1970s, a maintenance worker named Cloggy sadly passed away from a horrible illness after giving Blackpool Joe's train many years of dedicated service. According to reports, Cloggy was a highly committed member of the staff who worked tirelessly to ensure the attraction satisfied customers. Devotion is rumoured to have continued after death. Guests would often report being grabbed, touched by some unseen entity, as they enjoyed the ride. A handful of guests complained about the physical intrusion, only to discover 
that is not part of the attraction. On one occasion, particularly, the unusual event occurred, indicating that all was not it should be. Bridge of Blackpool's very famous for close train. Maintenance workers have said to be been undertaken to repairs, attraction and throughout. That their time labouring at the site, they heard reported hearing unusual sounds, including groaning and footsteps. When the men came to leave, they shut down the site's electronics as they were stand standard procedure. But on the result existing the facility, they noticed that a skull on top of their building was illuminated. After spreading in almost an hour investigating the situation, they were unable to determine how the skull was remaining alight. So left a ple the pleasure to be confused and disturbed. You've been listening to the Ghostman Show on AlbionRadio.com. I have been talking about paranormal as usual. I will be giving more to soon. I hope you've enjoyed this show so far. Let's see what I can find. Is there a hellhound in Brighton and the Hove? Reported back in the night, eight, 1990s, a number of people came forward to the port and seen a large black cat as big as a Labrador dog in Port Slade and Hanklin areas of the city, citing so was focused around West Hove Golf Course, but also made in at several locations. The Millbank claimed to have seen the creature prowling through the streets near Portside Station, while the council workers reported seeing a beast sulking in the shadows of Hove Cemetery. The sightings continued for a period of several years before petering out. Some years after Portland's scare, people, local people in different areas of Brighton and Hove seeing a similar creature, Bernard Bean Dean, another site, uh, the other side of the city of London, and Pope say goodbye. Glorious for snatching chips and ice creams from people. I don't know about you, but it really grinds my <laughs> gears. Well, new research from the University of Exeter suggests they actually prefer food that's been handled by a person. Of course they do. So we sent Richard Lawrence to Torquay to investigate. Richard, you're braving the fish and chips, but uh, there's a story behind <laughs> this, isn't there? Absolutely, everybody knows that standing by the sea with some chips could be a dangerous thing if there are seagulls lurking. And that's certainly the case today. They've all been very quiet and very well behaved. But the scientists at Exeter University are backing up some of these anecdotes, if you like, with some hard facts. They've been looking at the eating habits of seagulls and discovered a peculiar thing. They used a flapjack to tempt them. They picked one up from under a bucket and had another one under a bucket. The one that had been touched by one of the researchers for around 20 seconds was the one that they nearly always went for first. It's probably quite useful when gulls are foraging in urban areas to use cues like this in order to find food. Um, it might be that handled food is more easily available to them because obviously we open packages and when we drop food, then the food is more accessible to them. They can get the crumbs and any morsels out of an open package. Well, I think in short, they're really just after a quick, easy meal. And I don't think that any particular food is safe, particularly when you speak to people on the promenade here this afternoon and find out their experiences. If people leave them on uh, tables outside restaurants, they swoop in, they, they keep a watch. I think there are more important things in life, probably. 
But then that depends whether they receive them or not, doesn't it? People are daft enough to feed them inland or any any time. That's what that's why they always hang around people. Yeah, I mean my granddaughter when she was very young was eating a corned beef sandwich on Tinnoth Beach before she knew it had gone. She said, I wouldn't have cared but I was enjoying that. Well, of course, there is a slightly serious side to this. They've been looking at the population of seagulls overall and have discovered that they may be declining a little bit on the coast in favour of more urban locations inland and have been looking at the quality of food that they've been eating. One holidaymaker told me, don't mess with the seagulls in Scarborough. They're a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> very good advice. Richard Lawrence, uh, thank you very much indeed. And if you at home